All right, Tyler, ready for our last one for the day. Let us do it, Daniel. So this one should be a little faster. Just want to get some general thoughts from you on this, but we're going to be chatting uh, the gym market. So as probably most people could just intuit, you don't really need a lot of hard stats for this. One of the industries that was hit really hard by COVID was the gym industry and just general um, workout businesses. And that was due to the several uh, co- sort of stacking factors that were limiting their adaptability as retailers. Big one being just the activity that you do when you're in the uh, retail establishment is exert yourself and spread a bunch of sweaty fluid all over the place and breathe really heavily. Really bad things for a pandemic. <laughs> um, difficult to enforce social distancing and mask mandates. Uh, when you're working out, it can be extra uncomfortable to be wearing a mask. Obviously, uh, I'm team mask. <laughs> you know, not that that really even I think needs to be a point of discussion. But regardless, like. I still at least understand that when you're sweating profusely, wearing a mask is going to feel like garbage. Like that's not going to be fun. Right. Um, and that's that it was tough for gyms to deal with, to contend with. Cleaning the equipment uh, or renting out equipment to try to adapt, really difficult to do as well. So that was another factor. And then just general safety uh, of the space. Um I feel like gyms need an extra layer of cleaning because of um, how much, you know, the body literally is just sweating all over the equipment and all over the floors and, you know, the fluids that the humans are excreting all over the place. Not really a great mix during a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So naturally you'd think there are going to be some fundamental changes to this industry, which there were a huge boom in at-home workout trends because of this pandemic. Uh, We saw a lot of um, just sort of uh, online-based workout professionals. For example, Brett Larkin, who I mentioned earlier, we did some interviews with her, check them out on our website. Um, But, you know, she saw a boost in traffic to her YouTube channels because of the pandemic. Uh, We saw some private uh, yoga instruction studios, uh, and, uh, private, um, personal training studios be able to adjust well, because it's typically just one-on-one or sort of like groups of two or three and much easier to social distance and manage people when you have a set number of people and you have appointments that you deal with instead of just sort of open doors. But all of these things adapted well because there was a, a small at-home element. We also saw a lot of companies invest in at-home technology for workouts. So Lululemon, for example, like we've covered on uh, Business Casual and on Market Scale, acquired Mirror, which is the interactive AR uh, at-home experience. It looks like a mirror, but you step up, you turn it on, and then it's got um, basically like holograms projected onto the mirror mm-hmm. that uh, give you instruction on what to do. And there's music and interactive stats and basically a whole lesson in your mirror. Um, we're seeing Peloton now, uh, the already well-established at-home workout company, really, uh, I guess, make a bet on this COVID trend or this COVID impact on um 
the workout community being one that sticks, uh, or they're at least encouraging it to be one that sticks. So the at-home fitness company is actually going to reduce the cost of their most popular spin bike by about $350. And this is to, quote, make it more accessible to more people. That's how they phrased it in an email. So the bike is now going to cost $1,895. Still pricey, but they're shaving off uh, $350 off of the price. They're also offering a new, more accessibly priced treadmill, which is pricing at about $2,495. That's compared to their over $4,000 premium treadmill product. So that is an even steeper uh, cut in prices. So we're seeing Peloton here make a gamble. They're saying we're going to offer our products at a considerably lower price because more people are working out from home and therefore we want to reach a wider audience. So Tyler, thoughts on this. Do you think this is the right investment for Peloton to try to meet customers where they're at and shaving the prices off of their products to try to reach a broader market share? I think that Peloton knows that they have a high initial buy-in to an ecosystem that you then you know tap into which is going to be a recurring revenue stream for them down the road so i think that they you know had these high initial prices and now they've dropped them down now that they've kind of reached a certain level of popularity um because now they're they're a little bit more secure in their marketplace in their market share and in what they're doing and now the idea is okay let's drop that barrier to entry just a little bit and then continue to pick up added revenue by the people who are going to be subscribers to our base of content, right? So that's what happens when you when you have a Peloton, when you, you know, uh, you, you start to pay like a monthly fee for all of their classes, both bike riding, weightlifting, treadmill. They have all of these different classes that then you become part of this ecosystem where you have a recurring payment uh, month after month after month. So rather than just the one upfront price of just the bike, people that enter this ecosystem then have the recurring payment model, you know similar to a Netflix or whatever, but it's for workout, uh, workouts and that sort of thing. You can choose, uh, okay, I want to work out this part of my body or I want to do a ride that is this long or um, you can choose like the intensity, the muscle group that you are working on, you know, the length of the workout, all of those sorts of things. And so I, I think Netflix, or not Netflix, I think Peloton is leaning heavily <laughs> into that on-demand workout style thing and they know that if they drop the, that cost down they're liable to get more people that buy in that then become part of that subscriber base and then the more you grow that subscriber base the more data you get the more you know revenue you're getting on a regularly recurring you know basis i think it's right. a win overall for the company so it, it makes a lot of sense to me um why they're doing this now and and what their model is moving forward yeah and it seems to speak to Peloton deciding to, I don't know, try to uh, de-elite themselves a little bit. Like you said, that early investment into a Peloton product is a real major barrier to entry. Uh, and it's going to limit who purchases the products to people that A, are really, really uh, committed to working out as part of their lifestyle, which you know I think are 
kind of given audiences for a product like Peloton or people that have so much disposable income that purchasing a Peloton is more of a convenience than it is like a lifestyle decision, right? Because they would rather just work out at home than having to commute to work and work out at work and pack the extra duffel. Um, They can just have the bike at home and they have enough money to do it. So by trying to lower the price, even though we're still in the, you know, several thousand basically for both of these products, um, I, I think it goes to show that Peloton realizes since there are more people at home and there are more people that need to work out and they're at home, we can expand our base, and sort of restructure and reposition uh, the brand of our company to be a little more accessible and it won't cost us any of the uh, the wins that we've made from making our brand an elite brand, it'll actually look like us doing some kind of, I don't know, public service by giving people more access to our really high quality machines. So from a marketing perspective, I wonder if this is going to work, how they're imagining. Mm-hmm. But I think just logistically, you're going to shave the price off. You're going to get more people that are going to want to buy because it's literally just more affordable uh, or might be worth the price. But I wonder, is 350 off of a you know $2,000 bike now down to $1,800 or actually closer to $1,900, mm-hmm. is that enough of a difference to change someone's mind? Is that 350 going to be enough of a savings for them to be like, okay, then yeah, I'll, I'll go in on it. Or at that point, if you're already spending $1,800, $1,900 on a bike, are you willing to spend $2,200 on the bike? You know, does that $300 really make a difference? That's where I think they might miscalculate a little bit. I'm not sure. I'm sure they did a whole demographic study on who they're really trying to reach and what kind of socioeconomic conditions these people are in, how much disposable income they have, et cetera, et cetera. This isn't done willy-nilly, or at least I... I don't think it is. It might be. But um, I, I think they could miscalculate on who they're trying to reach. And by thinking that they're discounting, they might think they're going to reach a wider audience. But in reality, they're just sort of making it a little more accessible for the same audience. Thoughts on that? So I think that there is probably, if I had to guess, I think that there is probably a um a subconscious maybe mental block for some people about paying over $2000 for something that you knock it down below $2000 that becomes a little bit more acceptable if that makes sense like a, yeah. like i i think there's a reason even though i think it's dumb i think there's a reason that they advertise cars for $19,995.95 you know Uh, as opposed to $20,000 when it's quite literally the exact same thing. You know, I I think there is a mental thing about hearing that and hearing that it's below $2,000, I think will have a, make a difference from some people. And you're probably right. You're probably right. I think we'll just want to see the numbers. Honestly, we'll just have to see who actually ends up purchasing these discounted bikes and how the audience actually changes. So yeah, I think that wraps up my thoughts on this one. Yeah, yeah. 
It's a, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, uh, with Peloton, but I do think that that at-home workout revolution prompted very, uh, very uh, strongly by COVID-19 is probably here to stay. I'd probably have to agree. People like their convenience. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I do anyways. I, I mean, we have a Peloton at home, and I, I like it a lot. Hell yeah. Well, maybe I'll have to make the investment. You know, swing by, check it out. Let me know what you think. Yeah, and then, right. <laughs> uh, but, 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 you know, try before you buy, if you know what I mean. You'll just, yeah, you'll just find me. You'll come home from work and you'll just find me on the Peloton. <laughs> What's up, bro? <laughs> no. Hey, hey, Daniel. What's hey. going on? <laughs> just ripping some rubber, man. Putting rubber to the road. You know how I be. You know how I be. This was a snippet from Business Casual with Daniel Litwin and Tyler Kern, your B2B morning radio show. Tune in Wednesdays and Fridays at 9 a.m. Central on the Simple Radio app or marketscale.com slash industries.